Hey, it's Troy, and welcome to the Modern Casanova Podcast, episode number 39. And today, I wanted to do uh, a podcast about the idea of solitude and why it is advantageous to spend certain parts of your time alone. So, I wanted to go into that really because if you follow me on Twitter, you will see that there was a tweet of mine that did particularly well in the last couple of days. And I'll read out the tweet for you now so you can see what it was. I said, the best ideas come to you in solitude. I have a theory that the reason that introverts tend to be creatives is because spending more time alone, they are more susceptible to inspiration. So I tweeted that on June the 6th at 3 in the morning, which was, um, what are we on today? It was yesterday anyway, um, in the at three in the morning UK time. Uh, and that so far has received uh, 1,200 likes and 237 retweets, as well as something like 36 comments on it as well by different people. So, you know, by my standards, that is a massive viral hit for a tweet. Obviously, by Kim Kardashian's standards, it's um, it's minuscule. But by my standards, that was absolutely... That absolutely knocked it out of the park, really. So I thought it'd be good to just ruminate a little bit on that tweet and why perhaps it was as successful as it was. So what did I mean by it? Well, basically, I am what you would describe as a classic introvert. Now, what that means, what it doesn't mean is that I go around shyly burying my head in my hands and you know, too too afraid to speak to anybody at the party or anything like that. It doesn't mean that. Actually, through years and years of training myself and getting myself conditioned to social situations and professional situations and so on, I could actually come across as being relatively extrovert. And of course, you know, I've got a bit of a public-facing profile now. I do this podcast. I make videos on YouTube. Sometimes I'm out and about and I meet people that uh, know about my work and, you know, I've spoken, not as uh, not for my books, but I have spoken before on stage in front of large numbers of people, 200 people once. Uh, I speak in front of meetings quite regularly. I'm pretty comfortable out and about in front of people, um, socialising with people and being socially normal with people. It's not really a massive problem for me. Now, it used to be, years ago, I used to have a real problem with it. I used to, I used to find it incredibly difficult. I was a very antisocial kid. I found it very difficult to relate to other people. I found it very difficult to socialise with them. But, I mean, all of that was a long time ago. That was 25 years ago. Now, through a combination of things, but largely through the jobs that I've done, through social sort of conditioning by doing lots and lots of game, lots of cold approach game, uh, through getting involved with lots of different social situations, and also as well with the 12-step recovery organisation that I'm a part of as well, there's a lot of socialising, or at least there's a lot of spending time with other people involved with that, as well as public speaking sometimes. So through a combination of all of those things, I managed to break through the shyness that I experienced as a kid and I became a very different person. I'm a very different person now than I was when I was, say, 18 or 19 years old, for example. Almost unrecognisable, I would say, as the way that I put myself across. So, you know, it's not to say that I am shy. I'm not shy. But 
I take my energy from solitude. I like to be on my own. Now, it's interesting and it's incredible to me that people are so different on this point because what you think is normal yourself you tend to think, because we're very solipsistic creatures, we tend to think that everybody else thinks the same way and everybody else feels the same way. And you know what? Of course, that's not true. Half the population, at least, I don't know the exact figures, but let's say that it's half the population are extroverts, and so they don't feel anything like what I've just described. They would rather go out, they'd rather be in a massive group of people, they'd rather hang out with a bunch of guys and girls surrounded by all of these different people, socialising, talking, laughing, joking, all of that kind of thing. And they would gain energy from that, and they would gain pleasure from that, and they would gain stimulation from that sort of environment. Now, I'm different because I can do all of that stuff, and even on occasion I actually quite enjoy it as well, but I don't gain energy from it, and that's the crucial difference. I I'm able to do it, I'm able to perform well in those situations, but really a lot of the time in the back of my head I'm thinking, I just want to get home, I just want to get home and go to my bedroom and you know, get into bed and start reading my Kindle or start working on that article I've got to do or you know, start reading that book I'm reading or whatever it is. So my internal compass draws me towards solitude, if you like, and also, as you may have noticed, because I've written these books and I do these articles and stuff, I'm a, what you would call, I guess, a creative person. Now, I don't want to make any huge claims for that. I'm not saying that I'm Michelangelo or Da Vinci or something like that. I mean, clearly, there are different layers of this. But nevertheless, I think it would be fair to say, now that I've published eight books, I've got a ninth that is in preparation at the moment. I've done... 500 plus articles on my website. I've done another 200 over at Return of Kings. You know, I am a creative soul. And I believe, and what I was trying to say really in that tweet was in part that's been fueled by the, by virtue rather, of my solitude. Now, just before I came on, a reader pointed out something very important that I think we need to. Uh, I think that we need to talk about, which is that there's a difference between solitude and isolation. And this is very, very true. So isolation is, it seems, a much stronger word than solitude. Solitude, to me, sums up something about contemplation. Aloneness, but not in a, not with a negative pejorative tone to it. Aloneness solitude, uh, sorry, aloneness, the joy of being alone, almost a cerebral sense of sitting meditatively and calmly on one's own and considering one's work, thinking very deeply, looking at one's life, making decisions based on that and creating art, if that's what you want to do, as a result of that solitude. Solitude seems to me to be a neutral term, if not potentially a positive term in some senses. Isolation, meanwhile, seems to be, or seems to me to be, a negative term. So, I, And also, it seems to me to suggest that you're not necessarily a willing participant of that aloneness. So if you're isolated, it's almost as if 
somebody else has enforced that isolation upon you. It's as if you would probably actually quite like to be talking to friends or hanging out with people, but for some reason, or by dint of circumstances, you have been forced into this position of isolation and you don't like it very much. And actually, in the 12-step organisation that I go to where I deal with, along with uh, a group of other people, we deal with the issues that we've had in the past with addiction to alcohol or to you know other substances, it is said that isolation is a very bad state to be in for the addict. In fact, the addict actually craves isolation because what the addict really wants to do is to be on his own, using his drug of choice, and not having anybody else to interfere with that, not having anybody else to step in and tell him that he shouldn't, him or her, that they shouldn't be doing it, and to to show them the error of their ways or to show them the danger that they're doing to them to themselves. They, the, the disease of addiction doesn't want that. The disease of addiction wants the addict to be isolated. Now, because as I've been candid about in recent articles and in my books and so on, this is something I've suffered from. I've got to be a bit careful. Because I can't get into a situation where I isolate myself. And actually, you know what the... Um, I was going to say ironic, but I don't, I don't think it's ironic. You know what the telling thing is? Actually, what I've done through my career and the way that I've managed things to this point is that I have deliberately created a situation where I can isolate myself. So whereas before I was working for, as you know, a company and I, I was a manager at the end and I had people working for me and I had bosses and I had colleagues and so on and so forth. So I'd be working in a busy office with, you know, 100, 150 people in it or whatever. I gave all of that up deliberately in order to work on my own books, my own products, which effectively means I can sit in a room all week and not see anybody. I don't have to see anybody. I don't have to talk to anybody except by email and social media. Um, I don't have to do anything. I could, if I wanted to, I could sit in my room for an entire week if I had enough food and just do the work and that would be it and I wouldn't have to see anybody. And that would be isolation. And it's interesting, I find it interesting, when I look at it and I realise that that is a decision that I've made. I have engineered purposefully, albeit not entirely consciously, I've, I've purposefully engineered a situation where I am able to isolate and I could isolate totally. And one of the things, when I was working, when I was in corporate work, one of the things that I found most difficult to deal with about it was dealing with other people. And that's not to say that everybody in those jobs was, was terrible or, or horrendous. There were some great people there. I've met some great friends through the jobs that I've had. And I've met people that I, I remain friends with and I will hopefully always remain friends with. But in general, one of the difficulties with work, with corporate work, certainly, is that, or any job I suppose where you're working for someone else, is that you are likely to be surrounded by other people who you didn't choose to be there. If it wasn't for the job, would you be hanging around with these people? Would you be friends with them? In many cases, probably not. Now, again, that's not always the worst thing in the world because what happens can be quite interesting. You know, I worked in a company for over 10 years and there were people there who 
you know, I would never have been friends within a month of Sundays if it hadn't been for that job. But over the time, we got to know each other better and, you know, we, we came to like each other and, that, and friendships grew in a very unlikely setting, in very unlikely circumstances. But that aside, you know, life is very short. We only have a certain amount of time on the planet and really... Ideally, we want to be hanging around with the people that we actually choose to be hanging around with. And, of course, work makes that, for the period of time while you're in work, that's not possible because it's selected by somebody else. So, as I said, I made this decision, and I think all all the time that I was working for companies, I was very aware of that. You know, I was very aware of the fact that there were all these people, I didn't necessarily get on with them, and our interests were very different. And for me, it was, I suppose worse in a way given that I'd also given up alcohol now in England in London there's still a very very strong drinking culture in a lot of corporate workplaces well I I think probably most workplaces full stop but um, in the corporate scene in, in England and this goes down from the city in London where all the financial trading goes on to the lawyers to the you know the advertising executives like I was across all of these different industries Drinking is endemic, and particularly as well when you're entertaining clients. So if you're taking clients out for lunches or for drinks in the evening or for dinners or, 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 and so on, then drinking is sort of part and parcel of that. Now, it's become a lot less in the last few years, and I suspect that that trend will continue as people start to get healthier and you know budgets are cut and everything else. But certainly when I got into it, drinking was a big, almost part of the job in a sense. You're expected to take clients out, you're expected to eat with them, and most of those clients would want to drink and they want to, you know, get drunk on, the, on your company's money. Now, for me, that was clearly impossible because I'd stopped drinking. So there was a problem there immediately. And because all the people I was surrounded with were drinkers, that automatically put me on the outside. Now, I would like to think, and I think this is true, that I actually weathered that very well. And I think I very successfully carved out a position for myself as the non-drinker in the group who was you know not 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 a square and not boring but just just you know didn't drink slightly eccentric and didn't drink for whatever reason but nonetheless even the very normal social lubricant that everybody else uses to to get on with one another was was denied to me because of you know the condition that that I have which is you know a, a predisposition to addiction or addictive use of those substances so you know it was tough it was tough and plus you know a lot of the people there I felt that we were on a different wavelength no no disrespect to them but I I didn't feel that the aspirations that they had matched mine I didn't feel that the things that I was into that they were particularly interested in for the most part I mean as I say there were people who, who I got on very well with and we had very similar interests but for the most part and so all of the while, while I was working with these companies, I was sort of thinking, do you know what, I really, I just, you know, I don't mind hard work, I, I don't mind, it's not that I'm averse to, to grafting, as we say in England, it's not that I'm averse to hard work or, you know, anything else, but I just, I wish I could just do something where I'm not surrounded by all of these people. So, the idea of self-employment, of course, was always, was always on my mind. And then, and then as I say, I engineered this situation where all of a sudden, you know, in the last six months, suddenly I am on my own the whole time. And I just have to be very careful in managing that. Because as I said, you know, on the one hand, it's, it's healthy, and we'll go into why it's healthy, or rather why it's useful in a moment. 
but it can also be very unhealthy as well, particularly for someone like me, because really, for someone like me, part of my disease or part of my predisposition to addictive use of alcohol is that I think I'm special and I think I'm different and I think that I, you know, I don't want to hang out with other people for that reason. I think I'm some, somehow apart. And as part of my recovery, it was very important for me to smash that idea because it's nonsense. You know, I'm not apart. I am just another guy in the street, you know, and I shouldn't be keeping myself apart from my fellows. I should be communing with them because community as I talk about in my new book, which we'll be talking about next time, I think, is incredibly important for human beings in terms of happiness. And I was, you know, turning against community. I was pushing it away, if you like. So I have to be careful. And what that means is I need to make sure that I speak to someone every day. I need to make sure that I get out of the apartment, whether that is going to a a meeting, whether that's meeting friends for a coffee, whether that is going to work in a cafe or sometimes a combination of all of those things. You know, I need to be out among other people. Having said all of that, solitude is also, I think, very important. And this is where that tweet came in. Because as an introvert, I tend naturally to spend more time on my own because that's just the way that I'm wired. So I spend a lot of time on my own. Obviously, as I've said, I've engineered this job for myself where that's just part and parcel of it. And what does that mean? Well, it means firstly that I can concentrate on the work more, which of course is essential. So I think I've said before elsewhere, and this is not uncommon, but since I went self-employed, I've worked significantly harder than I did when I worked for a company. Because as you know, if you've worked in an office, what tends to happen is you're there for eight, eight hours a day, but really... Are you doing eight hours worth of work? Probably not. You're doing a couple of hours worth of work and then the rest of the time you're chatting to colleagues, you are getting involved with the politics, you go out for lunch, you go to a meeting and then, you know, it takes you a while to get back to the office and so on and so forth. Today, I get up at seven or whenever it is, I sit down at the laptop and I can be working all the way through, right through till seven, eight at night you know, with a couple of breaks to to pop out, go to a meeting or whatever. And it's proper work. You know, I'm actually sitting there and producing stuff. I'm producing content, which then gets published, usually on the same day. So it's, it's, it's actual work. It's not just administrative stuff or me pushing a few blocks around on a spreadsheet or something. So I'm spending time on my own, and that allows me to do this work. But the important thing is it also allows me to be susceptible to inspiration. That's what I said at the end of the tweet. So it's not just that the introvert has more time and the introvert is allowed, is enabled through that to sort of think more deeply about whatever their work is, about whatever their project is. But it's something more than that. It's the fact that time alone actually allows us or opens us up to be susceptible to inspiration. So I think what I was saying there, and this is something that I believe, is that inspiration is floating around out there in the air. So inspiration is almost like an electricity or some sort of power that's out there in the sky or all around us. We can't see it, but it's there. It's present. And who is going to be most susceptible to picking up on those signals, if you like? Is it going to be the extrovert who's out having 10 pints with all of the lads and having a great time? and not in a cerebral 
solitude state where they can sort of receive those signals or is it going to be the introvert who is and to me it seems pretty clear that the introvert who is in solitude not isolation but solitude is going to be more susceptible to picking up those signals is going to be more likely to attract that creative energy which then comes through them and through the work that they put out so if it's a book or a piece of writing an article a video a piece of music uh, an instagram photograph or whatever that creative energy from the world is transmitted through the artist through the introvert outwards and so i think time alone i think solitude is very important not only as i say because you need time alone to actually do the work but also because you need time alone to pick up on those creative energy signals which are whirling around and they're available to anybody but it's through stillness and through it's being it's through being at one with yourself if that doesn't sound too hippie-ish that you are able to pick up on them and as indicated in that tweet for me my best ideas have always come about when I've been on my own. Now, that doesn't mean... I got some tweets back earlier in the day and people were saying, well, yes, but what about if you look at population clusters, the greatest ideas come out of areas where that are densely populated and so on. Well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying never have any contact with other human beings. I'm saying that in the periods when you enjoy solitude, those are the times when you tend to pick up on those creative energy waves. So, you know, I will go out, I will go to the party, I will go to the meeting, I'll have coffee with somebody, etc, etc, etc. But during those periods, I don't tend to get the creative flashes of inspiration. When I do get them, is either when I'm sitting alone in my room, on the computer writing, or with my notepad writing, or when I'm doing something like walking on my own, running, alone, in the shower, going, listening to music exercising or meditating you know those are the times and they're all solo activities by the way those are the times when I tend to get that creative spark so it's not that I have no connection to the world it's not that I'm not taking in the the energy that you also get from crowds because of course you do get energy from crowds as well or you can do and it's not that I'm not observing other people and doing you know body language and watching how people act and everything of course I am I'm doing all of that stuff it's just that the real creative ideas tend to come through in solitude so those are my thoughts on solitude and that particular tweet which as I say really seemed to pick up a lot of momentum over the last 24 hours on Twitter so thank you to everybody who retweeted it who liked it who commented and thank you to everybody who followed me as a result of that tweet I'm very grateful for your interaction and I hope that you'll enjoy the rest of the content that I put out um yeah I mean fascinating topic and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and when you feel most creative I think the majority of people that engage with this they agreed with what I was saying and perhaps that speaks to the fact that a lot of us on who use Twitter regularly are perhaps introverts because <laughs> we're sitting at the desk and we're tweeting away and it might be that we're actually on our own a lot of us I don't know uh, in terms of physically who's surrounding us on the other on, at the computer you know a lot of us may well be on our own so very interesting it'd be good to see a breakdown of who's an, how many introverts are on twitter compared to extroverts because i suppose twitter gives us a safe space to be extroverts 
from behind the computer screen, if you like, if that's a sort of geeky way of putting it. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for the engagement. I hope that you got something from this podcast where I sort of tried to go a little bit more deeply into what I was talking about in that tweet. I will be producing more content on creativity, how to be creative, and particularly in regard to how to create a business around it, because a lot of what I'm writing about at the moment is around this idea of being a youpreneur, of being the brand of of me, if you like. A lot of this idea about how can you create a job or how can you create an income stream from simply living your life and then creating content around that. And this idea of making a personal brand where you're at the center of it, I think is gaining more and more traction. It's certainly what I'm doing. It's certainly my business model. And I think it's incredibly exciting. And the great thing is that everybody can do it. So I will be, and of course, creativity sits right in the center of that because in order to do that, you need to be creative. So I will certainly be be putting out a lot more content in terms of creativity, in terms of how you can harness it and how you can use that to build your own personal brand online if that's something you're interested to do. So I hope that you found this show helpful. If you haven't already, please do sign up for my email. So every day I send out an email at 11 o'clock in the evening, British time, GMT. And that email has grown in popularity enormously, exponentially in the last few weeks. And it really is where I put out my freshest content. So every day I will write an article which goes out to those subscribers. Now, I might a couple of weeks later put it up on my blog or I might repurpose it on Twitter or something. But in the main, those articles are exclusive. They just go out to my subscribers. And if you don't get the email, you you don't get the insight, you don't get the information. And that is where I'm putting all of my premium content at the moment. So if you haven't already, I would urge you to sign up for that email list. I will put the link in the show notes that will show you where you have to just do a quick sign up form to sign up for that. And then you'll be on the list, you'll get an email from me every day. And if you've got any questions or anything you want to ask or any comments, then you can just reply to me on that email and I will get back to you. So I hope you've enjoyed this. Please do shoot me a message on Twitter or via email or ideally by the email list on any thoughts that you've got. And we will speak again next time. Bye-bye.